Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Is everyone all right? We're doing good over here. Hi, everyone. I hope I don't turn my back to you too much. Are you all right? Good. Good. See, if you don't know me already, my name's Cookie. And like, I think it was Mike or Trev said, I've recently just finished the Gastry Academy. Now, if this goes all right, then that's a great encouragement to go sign up. And if it doesn't, then I'm really sorry, Tevo, Hazel, Luke, everyone. I'm actually really excited to be continuing our series looking at the fruit of the Spirit and how we can cultivate it in our lives. And today we're going to be looking at the fruit of goodness. Now, if I'm actually honest, when I saw that I had to talk about goodness, I was kind of like, eh, like I wasn't the best. And I can see some of you are judging me, all right? It's not very Christian to not want to talk about goodness, but... The thing is, it's like, what does that word even mean? You know, what does goodness even mean? Now, like any millennial would, to find out anything that you need to know, you head to Google. And that's what I did. I Googled goodness. And it came back saying that goodness is this behavior showing a high moral standard. Now, if I'm honest, that didn't really help me either because... There's so many different standards of goodness, like what's right, what's wrong, what's good, means something different to every single one of us. And let me just give you an example of that, right? So you know those mums that they get a a picture or some arts and crafts from their kid, right? And the rest of us know it's so far from being a Picasso, but to that mum, it's like, yes, my kid is so good, like this is the best thing that you could have ever created. You know those mums, right? Some of you are nodding, you know them. My mom's not like that at all, okay, right? She's not like that. See, I used to do some dancing back in the day in my old church, and we did conferences, we did events, right? And let's just say as time went on, my role became more and more obscure in these performances, and I slowly started to find myself further and further to the back of the stage, right? I know, guys, it's pretty sad. Well, that's what a normal mum would think, you know, that's sad. My mum sat me down, and she's over there looking at me right now, right? So I'm being really brave. But she sat me down, looked me dead in my eye, and said, Cookie, stick to the piano. And that's what she said. She did. She knows. That's what she said. Now, to me, that was message received. Like, I wasn't very good. It was clear. I'm not good at dancing. Okay. Here's the thing. Years later, when I was in year 13, my PE teacher sat me down and said, Cookie, we want you to be one of the dance captains at our movement evening. So either the standard at Sheffield High School was really low, or (laughs) she thought I was pretty good. And I'd rather believe the latter. Anyway... The point is, the standard of goodness is different for each and every single one of us. And I guess my question this morning is, what is your standard of goodness? Where does it come from? Does it come from what a parent has said or taught or held you to? Does it come from what a school teacher said, maybe? 
Does it come from social media? I know sometimes it's like there's a pressure to keep up and what social media says is good is something that we all abide to. Or is it just your own high standard that you have for yourself? There are so many different standards of goodness, but today, as followers of Jesus, let's pursue a godly one, right? Now, what does a godly standard of goodness look like? Well, who better to look to as an example than Jesus? Jesus, who was the manifestation of God's goodness on the flesh. You see, when we read in the flesh, now when we read the Gospels, we are constantly met with Jesus raising the standard of what goodness looks like. We see it from when he's challenging religious leaders who thought they knew best not to throw the first stone. We see it when he's breaking bread and sitting with people who are overlooked and undervalued in society. However, my favorite example of Jesus raising the standard of goodness comes from the time when he flipped the tables in the temple. And that's what we're going to look at and explore today. Now, we find this story in John chapter 2, verse 13, I think it's going to come up. And it says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of... Do you know how like annoyed you have to be to really make a whip? <laughs> I was really thinking about it like... Jesus had time that day, you know what I mean? Anyway, back to the scripture, back to the scripture. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their, temp their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove you have the authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Now clearly in the scripture, Jesus isn't happy. He is not feeling the vibe of what is going on in this temple. But I had to ask myself, why not? Like, was it that deep to make a whip and whip everyone out of there? These people in the temple, when you look at it just on the surface of it, right, they weren't selling merch or illegal drugs or anything. They were selling cattle, sheep and doves, the pilgrims that had traveled from far and wide. They couldn't keep and bring all the animals with them to come into the temple at Passover. So they were selling these animals for them. And as for the money exchangers, there were so many different people from everywhere and they were exchanging the money into this one standard currency that could be used in the temple. So if the activity on the t in the temple, on the face of it, looked good, then why did Jesus think that it was bad? I started to reflect on this and to think about this. And I found that there was a standard of goodness that Jesus was expecting in that temple place that wasn't reflected when he entered it. So what is that standard of goodness? And when I was searching for a definition that could really explain and sum up what this goodness looked like, 
I came across this one. I don't know if it'll come up, but it's goodness is virtue and holiness in action. And when I read that and heard it, I was just, it just hit me. And I started to unpack what it means. And it helped me see how we could live out this fruit of goodness, what a godly standard of goodness looks like, and how we can cultivate it and live it out in our everyday. And so we're going to unpack this definition this morning, if that's all right with everyone. So just starting with virtue. What, what is virtue? It is this behavior showing a high moral standard. Now in the scripture, Jesus says to the sellers and everyone in the marketplace, get these out of here, get the sheep, get everything out of here. He wasn't happy. And as we looked at earlier and discussed earlier, well, they were acting in line of the standard of what everyone in the temple would have done, of what was good in the temple. So what was not right here? The problem Jesus had was that the sellers and exchanges were doing it in a dishonest and unjust way. They were overselling, overmarking their prices to get more. The problem Jesus had was their intention. This shows that a high moral standard for outworking a godly goodness starts from inside and works its way out. It's not just about what we do on the surface. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, it says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A godly standard of goodness comes from a a sincere heart. It's not just about outward expressions. It's not only about the things that we do on the outside, but it's who we are. That's what a godly standard of goodness looks like. And I think what Jesus is highlighting in the temple with his frustration is that motive matters. You can be doing all that you, you do and it can look good and feel good and people can praise you for it. But motive does matter. When I was younger, I would always, no matter how big or small what my parents wanted me to do, I would always ask but why? They'd say, you got to do this. I'd be like, but why? Cookie, make your bed. But why? We have to go to this auntie's house. But why? And I guess it kind of highlights my stubbornness and the need to work on obedience more than anything. But as I've grown older, it's a phrase that has challenged me to not just accept things as they are for the sake of or just because that's the way things go. But it's actually challenged me to remember that the reasons why we do things are important. A godly standard of goodness, it requires us to work at the root. And sometimes, if we're honest, our root is not always the best one. Sometimes our roots can be a little bit unhealthy. I know for me, that's the case sometimes. Sometimes our roots are fear of rejection Or sometimes the root cause of us doing good is anxiety that will be outcast, will be pushed away from everybody else. Or sometimes, maybe, and you have to be honest with ourselves, like the sellers in the temple court, it's for our own gain, for our own kind of feel good. I love how on the Orchard podcast, Rach describes a goodness culture as an unmasked culture. It's one of honesty and integrity where what you see on the surface is is truly what's in there. And I think when it comes to true virtue, when we're looking at that definition, it's where a high moral standard starts from inside. I think that's what true virtue looks like, where everything that in us overflows outwards, not the other way around. 
Now moving on to the second element of this definition, holiness and holiness. After Jesus turned the temple upside down, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove you have the authority to come in here and do all that you've done? And what I believe they're essentially asking is, what power do you have to come into this temple and condemn as bad what we believe to be good? Well, Jesus carried the authority of God. A godly, I found this quote, it says, divine good is part of the character of God. Therefore, divine good is unattainable apart from association with the character of God. A godly standard of goodness is about connection to God's holiness. That's what it's about. It's about connection to his holiness and not our own power and not our own strength. And it's this that distinguishes a godly standard of goodness from what the world thinks goodness is. It's connection to God's holiness that changes goodness from being this passive and polite thing to a powerful force that can shift atmospheres and change environments. Now we see definitely a lack of goodness in our world. We see it in how people are being treated. We see it in what the kind of things that are slowly becoming acceptable. We see it in greed, we see it in corruption. And if we want to carry a change everywhere we go, if we want to be this light for the city that we're all called to be, we can't go out with a goodness that's in our own strength. We can't. A, goodly, a godly standard of goodness requires a deeper power than just our own will and our own strength. We need God's holiness to partner with us, work with us, and outwork through us. That's what we need. We need connection to him. Connection to God's holiness is, gives us the access to a power that can shift environments, change worldviews, change habits, and allow us to see a goodness that is transformative and long-lasting. And we can't do that out of our own strength, not at all. And I think the question that we should ask ourselves, or, or try to at least daily, is how can we invite God's spirit, power, and holiness into our everyday? How can we invite God's spirit, power, and holiness into the actions that we do, no matter how big or no matter how small? The last part of this definition that we're going to look at is action. In John, it says, so Jesus made a whip out of cords, of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their, temple, their tables. And when I was looking at that, it just reminded me that goodness is a response to the things that we see in our world. When we look at this story, we see that there is a cleansing, a clearing, a challenging that takes place in the presence of goodness. And I think I began to just think to myself, do I get challenged? Do I get stirred by the things in the world that we see? Or do I just not really care? Or do I only care about the things that I care about? I think that now 
for the hotheads like me, the people that are a bit passionate, we've got to remember it's not about going out flipping tables. I can have quick lips. I can be really fiery. I can say some words when I'm passionate about stuff, but it's not about that. It does highlight, though, that there is a response and there's activity and movement to the word goodness. There's action to it. And it might not look like flipping the tables in the Gas Street Cafe, but goodness could also look like challenging a group of friends that gossip or are just so focused on tarnishing someone's character. You know, I remember when I was in secondary school, I cannot even count the number of times you're on the table and everyone's talking about this person and, this, and the next week it's somebody else. But as I've grown older, and I'm not very old, but as I have grown older, I have seen that this does follow through into workplaces. It follows through into meeting rooms. It follows through into churches as well sometimes. And it can be so easy to be passive, to not speak up, to think it's somebody else's problem. But I believe that a standard of goodness is not just about being responsible for ourselves. It's so easy to be like, well, I didn't do anything. I mean, I do that with, I have a younger sister. And if we were in trouble, it'd be like, well, I, it's her. Like, she's going down alone. I am not the sister that's coming to save you. It's you. But that's not what it's about. I believe that as children of God, we have a responsibility for the environments that we find ourselves in, the meeting rooms, the conversations that we find ourselves in, even the WhatsApp group chats that we find ourselves in. That's a bit too loud. I'll just, I'll stop. But goodness does the right thing and it challenges other people to do the same. When you carry this goodness that we've spoken about, this standard that starts from within and you've connected to God's holiness, when people are in your presence, it just challenges them to be different, to speak different, to say different, to think different about what they've currently have done. I saw this quote, it says, good people don't just do the right thing. They make things right. And when I see Jesus in that temple and all that he was doing, it wasn't just about making a mess and causing a scene, but it was actually this desire to see things restored to how God intended and wanted them to be. And so I had to challenge myself, what, myself, what things can I do and what things can we do to reset the environments around us to a standard of goodness that God would be happy with? You know, whether that looks like, you know, challenging people to, when, you know, they're saying the wrong thing, whether that looks like walking away and being apart and, and showing that, no, actually, I'm, I'm not okay with this, whether it looks like actually going and standing next to someone who's been outcast and actually holding, holding them and being there for them and actually standing with them. That could be what goodness looks like. That could be what the action looks like. And I think what we need to pray most for is for God to give us the courage or even just the care to act when it matters most. I think that is what the action of goodness, a godly standard of goodness looks like. It's active, it's, it moves. Now, could you imagine what our world would look like if we all lived out this standard of goodness, one that is virtue and holiness in action moving? 
where it was the standard of goodness that underpinned everything that we do, whether it's in church. I know it's so easy to put on a smile and then you get home and it's World War Three. It happens in our house all the time. I'm exposing a lot, but it's truth. <laughs> it is the truth. I can see my daddy's like... <laughs> but it's, it's a standard of goodness. A godly standard of goodness underpins everything. It, it's about what I'm like at home, what I'm like with my family, with my sister. It's what I'm, I'm the same in church. I'm, in the, I'm the same in my workplace. I think it's challenging us to be consistent. Now, if we did live out this godly standard of goodness, we'd be able to see a relieving affair maybe by us wanting to be generous, our action looking like being generous when people are struggling for provision. Or it could look like providing hope by actually praying with someone when they need it instead of, I'll pray for you and forgetting and moving on. It could look like that. Or it could be coming out of our comfort zones, out of our cliques, and connecting with people that we've never done before or we never would do unless it was for being intentional. It also could look like not being afraid of the mundane. I've learned that, like the small things, because we know that connection to God's holiness means that he can move and work through anything and anything, no matter what, how small or how big. If we all sought this standard of goodness, we would see a goodness that purifies everything that it comes into contact with. Just by walking into a room and connected to God's holiness, we'd see a purifying of everything that it comes into contact with. We'd see a goodness that can heal a damaged and impure world. We'd see a goodness that moves through our nations, our cities, our neighbors, our house, wherever. We'd see a goodness that's moving. If each of us, every single one of us lived out the standard of goodness, we'd see a church that is mobilized to be everything that it was called to be. Now, over the last year, with everything that has happened in the church, we have definitely seen a cleansing and a clearing, whether it's been to do with race, integrity, or purity. And at times, it's been uncomfortable and challenging and hard and stretching, but this is a godly standard of goodness that we want to see. Like it's a standard of goodness that we want, we should be desperately seeking to, to seek after and to go after. One that doesn't shy away from uncomfortable conversations. One that doesn't shy away from the challenge, but actually wants to see a move of God move through us and outwork through us into our city and our nations too. Now, if the van could join us, uh, join us, I'm alone, join me. <laughs> that would be great. I'm not alone. Thanks, Mike. The problem is the standard of goodness that I speak of, goodness and vir being virtue and holiness in action, moving powerfully through our city is a really high standard. In fact, it's kind of impossible to reach it's very unattainable to reach, no matter how hard we try. And I have tried, as a perfectionist, I am constantly striving to reach the standard of goodness. And it's exhausting and demotivating. And we see how short-lived our own strength and standard of goodness is. We become aware of our shortcomings and our humanness. 
But there's good news. The good news is that we don't have to reach this godly standard of goodness by ourselves. We don't have to reach it because Jesus tied on the cross so that we could, it could be possible for us to reach this, this standard of goodness. When Jesus died, he took on our shame, our shortcomings. He took on our mistakes, our past ones, the ones that we're currently making and our future ones too. If we are looking to be truly good, to live out this standard of goodness, one of virtue and holiness in action, it starts by humbling ourselves and realizing that it's nothing to do with us and everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. God's goodness isn't something that we have to achieve, but it's something that we can receive through believing in what Jesus has done for us. It's a gift. It's a gift that God's given us because He's so good. You don't even have to try too hard. Just believing in Him and connection to God's Holy Spirit allows us to be good and to carry a goodness that does transform and pierce hearts and change lives. In Titus 3, verse 3, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs, aka reach the standard, according to the hope of eternal life. It's already been sorted, and the Holy Spirit, He can do that through you this morning too. When we accept Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit enables us to live out a godly standard of goodness, whether that's loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, or whether that's forgiving people when it's really, really hard to, or whether that's just being, like Tebo talked about last week, kind and compassionate. The Holy Spirit helps us to connect to God's holiness and purity, giving us the strength to pursue goodness, even when we don't feel like we can or we're good enough to. When we invite Jesus into our lives, into our worlds, the Holy Spirit helps us to be bold and courageous in what we believe and challenging other people to do the same. And I think when it comes to goodness, it, be, it can be so easy to think, all right, it's all about being this good person so we can get to heaven one day, you know, just work really hard and doing good things and we'll get there. But when I was reading about goodness, I began to see it's about bringing heaven into us now. It's something that we can experience now. It's not about doing deeds that we have to work to to get to some place later, but it's about seeing the goodness of God move now. Now, this is truth that should bring some relief, you know? It's a freedom. We don't have to work to achieve a standard. I don't know, like, Maybe you've come from a religion or an upbringing where you have to really work to get somewhere, work to be good. Or maybe you've done things, you know, that aren't very good and they haunt you and they followed you and they make you feel like I can never live out the standard of goodness that is expected of me. Or maybe things have happened to you that have just made you struggle to believe that you could ever be good. And you've carried that feeling of, I'm not good enough because of X, because of this. 
Maybe that's what stopped you from believing. I, could, I couldn't reach this standard. Like, that's cool. Like, virtue, holiness, okay, whatever. But this has happened to me, and I don't believe that I can be good. But Jesus died that so that it could be possible to be. He died so that we didn't have to work for it. He died so that we could be wiped of everything that makes us impure and that we could be called good without having to ever lift a finger, you know? And you may already have a relationship with Jesus and you may be like, I've heard it all before, like be a good person, like that's great. But I don't think that we're ever too far in the faith to be reminded that our own strength is so fickle and to be reminded to be grateful to a God who made a way for us to reach this standard. Now in the minute, the band are probably gonna lead us into worship, but before they do, I just wanna pray that we would be people that seek after a godly standard of goodness, that we wouldn't settle for anything less than that, that we would be reminded that there's a virtue that starts from inside, from the root, and works its way upwards and outwards through us, that we would never become too prideful to not connect with God's holiness and His power and His strength, but that also we wouldn't just keep that to ourselves, that we'd actually use action to move and to challenge, to speak, to do everywhere that we go. So I'm just gonna pray. Lord God, I just thank you for how good you are to even allow us to reach this standard of goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we can partner with you to reach a high moral standard, that we can partner with you to connect with your power and your strength and your purity. Lord, I thank you that you partner with us to move, that you move through us everywhere that we go. And Lord, I just pray for people that don't feel like they could ever attain this standard, that they'd have a revelation of your goodness, God, and what you've done for them, that they would know, Lord, that it's everything to do with what you took up on the cross, that all the shame, all the condemnation, everything they've carried for years, maybe it could be conversations, words that people have spoken over you, that have stopped you from believing that you could ever be good. I just want you to know today that God calls you good, that He died for you so that you could have reached that standard. And so, Lord, I just pray that people would have a fresh revelation of that today, God. And we thank you, Lord. I just pray that we would also, each and every one of us, just be continuously grateful for what you've done, God, that we would be reminded to always look to you and to always have gratitude for what you did on the cross that has enabled us to reach the standard of goodness, that we could live it out and see it everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.